Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. Our college ministry team sends uh, to our college students, those who have been signed up, a care package a couple times a year in a box similar to this. And uh, what they do is they'll pack the box full of uh, goodies uh, that college students would enjoy and like. And it tells them that we are thinking about them, we're praying for them, we're caring for them. And uh, they ask me when they pack the box, uh, sometimes they ask me to send a letter along with the box, which makes a lot of the college students think that I pack the box for them. But I, always, I try to always remind them, you know, you, there's a college team that does this, and they are caring for you, and they love you. But in the letter that I send them in the box, I usually say, hey, there are people praying for you. And then I ask a question. Maybe I can get a response. For example, this last time I sent the box, I asked this question, uh, what I'm, I'm preparing, they send it back in the fall, I'm preparing sermon series for 2020. I'm preparing the passage of scripture we're going to preach on and speak on and what God has for us. And I gave them a list. I said, what do you think we should preach on this upcoming year? And I got one of the responses from a college student. It said this, uh, mental health. Could you please preach on mental health? And uh, this was just a text exchange. And I texted uh, this student back. I said, well, what do you mean? What, what part of mental health can I be praying for you for? And this student said, Uh, the two biggest things that this student was dealing with was anxiety and fear. Anxiety and fear. Which is a strange thing for a Christian to say, but Christians have anxiety and fear as well. But Jesus, one of his titles is Prince of Peace. We've been studying the titles of Christ for this whole month uh, out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says... um, For unto us a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If Jesus is to be our peace, then he should be counteracting and interacting with our anxiety and fear. I'll give you another example. Sometimes during Christmas any holiday, there is a great depression and discouragement that comes over Christ followers. Christ followers can get depressed. Discouragement is something we can fight against, but depression we need peace to help bring us out of. Discouragement sometimes is by our own choice, but depression is something that affects us like a sickness. And yet Jesus is called Prince of Peace. I want to focus in on two ways. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus gives peace today. There's lots of ways Jesus gives peace. I'm going to talk about two. I'm going to give you one that you can study for yourself or maybe we'll leave for another time. The two ways Jesus gives us peace is he gives us peace with God. He is our Savior, and He gives us peace with others. He becomes our Lord, our Master. And the third way that we can uh, study uh, on your own time, or maybe we'll save to another time, is Jesus actually gives us peace within our own selves. Sometimes we 
have a guilty conscience or we fight against ourselves or we have these lies that we start believing that are not actually from God and Jesus can rearrange those. He gives us peace with ourselves. But I, I wanna focus on two today. Peace between us and God and peace between us and others. The first one is peace between us and God. Now, the, this, this peace is kind of difficult to explain because uh, peace that Jesus brings is not the absence of trouble. A lot of times we think, okay, peace means there's no war. Uh, this negative, this take away. If Jesus would take away these things, then we'll have peace. We, we tend to think that that is what peace is, especially when it comes to countries warring and fighting or people fighting. Um, one periodical labeled that kind of peace a fable. And I'll tell you why. Um, since World War II, there's been an average of three new wars started every year since World War II. So the peace that Jesus has promised and the end times, when he comes back, means there will be no more war, and there will be an absence of fighting, there will be an absence of sin, there will be an absence of temptation, and we will have that peace where there is no trouble, no sorrow, no danger, no sadness. But while we're here, he promises to give us peace while we're here. Peace in the midst of, in the middle of, during peace, during danger and trouble and sorrow. Jesus says, my peace I give you. How is this possible? Well, it begins first with peace between us and God. It's kind of a paradox, though, that we need to examine. Isaiah the prophet, where we've been studying chapter 9 out of uh, Isaiah, where it says he will be called Prince of Peace, God gave him a prophecy to give us and give to his people in Isaiah 55. And I want to read it because it's a, a real paradox. It's, it's a, it's a head-scratcher. Here's an invitation from God to seek out Jesus, to seek him out, to seek God out, and he'll give us peace. But then there's a twist right at the end of this invitation that makes us scratch our head. Here's what it says. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Okay, this is a weird thing. How can you buy something without money? Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Okay, this is getting better. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what is not satisfied? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations and you know not. Nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. All of this sounds great. And then he, he wraps up this invitation with this verse. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God invites us to come to him, to be satisfied with him, and then he says, you know what? You can't really grasp it. You can't understand it. That's a paradox. How can we go to the God who promises to give us peace in the midst of this danger, sorrow, and trouble in the midst of our 
desperation and discouragement and depression in the midst of our anxiety. And then he says, hey, you know what? I'm actually too big for you to know. That's a paradox. And isn't God too big for us to know? I mean, he created the entire universe. He exists outside of time, space, and matter. He can hold the universe in his hand. How could we possibly fit that amount of God into our finite three-pound brains? Most adult brains are three pounds. If God could fit into my finite three-pound brain, would he even be God? If I understood the ways of God, would he even be God? So he gives us this invitation, come to me, and then he says, you know what, I'm too big for you to understand. Not only is God too big for us to understand, he's also too holy for us to get close to. He is scary holy. He is so pure that if we were to stand in his presence, we would drop to the ground in fear and maybe be burnt up alive. Our God is an all-consuming fire. When Moses, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, God, I need you to go with us. And God says, I'll be with you. I'll send you my presence. And, God, and Moses said, okay, God, show me your glory. Exodus chapter 33, Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But, God said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. God is scary holy. When John, the apostle, one of Jesus' best friends, saw Christ in Revelation, he fell down as if he was dead. When Isaiah, the prophet we've been studying, was called up in the spirit to see the throne room of God, he said, I'm in big trouble. I'm a dead man because I recognize my sinfulness now that I'm standing in the presence of someone holy. Even Peter, when he saw the holiness of Christ, the glory of Christ shine through, said, get away from me. You are too good for me. God is too big for us to understand and too holy for us to be near. And we have this problem. Not only is he too big for us to be near and too, or to understand, too holy for us to be near, we've actually created an enemy of this God with our rebellion. Every time we have done something that is not in God's will, we've created uh, what one author calls cosmic treason. The king of the universe, and we're going to say, no, I'm going to do things my way, thank you. The God of all knowledge and wisdom, and we say, no, no, I, I got this. I don't need your help. Or worse, we actually do the things he tells us not to do. He said, this is a road that's going to lead to your death. Don't go down it. And then we just run right down that road. And so this is how Scripture describes this enemy with God. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says this. Those who live according to the flesh 
and have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. So when we go our own way, when we rebel against God's ways, when we go down paths, he says, don't go down. When we uh, involve ourselves with tools and things, he says, we shouldn't touch. That is the mind of the flesh. And it is death. The mind governed by the flesh, this is scary, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, because of this rebellion, because we don't want to please God, and because we're going our own way, it says we are dead in our transgressions and sins. And in verse 3 of chapter 2, it says, we gratify the cravings of our flesh, fallenness, desires, and thoughts. And by nature, we're deserving of God's wrath. We are enemies with God. Now, this is, this is a big problem. If God is too big for us to understand and too holy us, for us to be near, and we have become enemies with God by our own doing and our own actions, this invitation from God cannot be fulfilled. Come to me, he says. If you are desperate or discouraged or depressed, you come and I'll give you peace. If you are filled with anxiety, I will give you peace. If you are suffering or in danger or in sorrow, I will give you peace. And then we would come to him and we'd be destroyed. Too big to understand, too holy to be near. And we are actively involved in rebellion. The king of the universe would put down rebellion. How in the world would we be able to come and get peace? First John Chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, describes it this way. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how God is going to solve this dilemma. This is how God is going to give the invite in a way we can understand, in a person we can approach, and to break the rebellion within our hearts. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God or could understand God or could even get close to God, but this is love of God that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God gives us a way to understand him by sending Jesus Christ. Jesus is the exact representation of God. If you want to understand God of the universe who created everything, look to Christ. Understand how Christ thinks and how he acts and how he lives. He is God in the flesh. And if you want to understand how God treats sinners and those in rebellion, look at his interactions with those who are seeking him. He is kind and gentle a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. A bent reed he will not break. If we want to understand the bigness of God, we look to Jesus. If we want to get close to God, we go to Jesus. If we want to have peace with God, we go to Jesus. We can't see God. No one can see God and live. And Jesus shows up so that we can see who God is. It's like this. Jesus, because he is totally God, he grabs God's hand, the Father, who we can't get close. He's too big for us to understand, and he's too holy for us to be near. And, he's, and we're, since we're in rebellion because of our sin, he's going to destroy us. 
And Jesus grabs God's hand because he is totally 100% God. And because he's also totally 100% human, we can't understand this. This is too big for our finite brains. He's human. He can hold our hand. And he bridges that gap. And he builds a connection between us and God. And he does that by holding God's hand, by holding our hands. And it looks like the cross. On the cross, Jesus bridges the gap between us and God. On the cross, he takes all of our rebellion and sin and nails it to himself, and he puts it to death. On the cross, he destroys the work of Satan and sin within us, and he grants us a new heart. He grants us a new creation from the inside out, and now our job is to live up to that creation. To continually put the flesh to death and live up to that new spirit he's given within us. And through Jesus, we're able to start understanding God's ways. And through Jesus, we're able to go into his presence because Jesus is there intervening for us. And through Jesus, God will not destroy us because he poured out all of the wrath that he had for sin and rebellion onto Jesus Christ on the the cross. Jesus gives us peace with God. Because he gives us peace with God, it starts tearing away and tearing down some of that anxiety that we go through. And it can start tearing down and tearing away some of the depression that we can live in. And it can give us peace in the midst of sorrow and danger and trouble. Because we have peace with God, we know we're right with God. Not only does he give us peace with God, but he also gives us peace with others. Our sin is uh, not just destructive to our relationship with God. Our sin is also destructive with our relationship with others. I'll give you an example. And you might have heard this from uh, Bible uh, school or Sunday school or maybe you grew up in the church or maybe you just heard the story of Adam and Eve. It's all the way back in the beginning. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and God says, don't eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. They had one rule to follow and they broke it. And sin destroyed, began to destroy their relationship with God and their relationship with other. I'll give you an example of how it destroyed their relationship with with each other. God shows up. And like a good father, he knows what Adam and Eve has done. But like a good father, he asks a question, what have you done? You ever have your father do that? There's a broken lamp and a baseball and two boys. And the father comes in, he sees the broken lamp, he sees the baseball, he sees the two boys who look guilty. Don't you think he knows what they've done? What did you do? That's God the Father. And he says to Adam, what is it you have done? Have you eaten from the tree that I forbid you to eat from? Look at how sin breaks relationships. What does Adam do? The woman made me do it. Right? Sin destroys relationships. Not just with God, but with each other. And when Jesus starts giving us a new heart and starts changing us from the inside out, we're able to now restore those relationships that have been broken by sin. We're able to offer the same forgiveness that he gave us. We're able to offer the same grace and love that he gave us. And listen, this this is hard to grasp. If you have accepted the grace of Jesus on you, the forgiveness of sins on you, then you have to remember that he died for your enemy as well. 
And if your enemy is willing to accept it, that enemy gets forgiveness and grace. But in the meantime, we just live as if they've already received the forgiveness and grace that Christ offers them. That's what we're called to do. And that's how we start bringing peace into the world. You know how Jesus grabs God's hand and our hand. He often likes to work through his servants, which is us. And he tells us, you hold on to my hand and go grab the hand of your enemy and love them and forgive them and give grace to them like I have. And I'll flow through you. I'll work through you and you will bring about peace in their danger and sorrow and trouble. That is the activity, the work and message of the Christian to allow Jesus to flow through you to spread peace to others. And we break peace with others all the time through harsh words and harsh thoughts and through selfish desires and ambition. But when we're holding the hand of Christ and we're constantly in prayer and we're prayer before we meet the the crisis, those harsh words are changed to peace-giving words and loving words and loving thoughts. And our selfish desires and ambition are removed and we have the desires and ambition of Christ. One preacher says, this is the work we have been given to do and the message we have been given to share. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says it this way. If I can turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 20. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We look at him through the eyes of Christ. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Peace doesn't come through Bible verses. Peace comes through the presence of Christ. The Bible verses remind us that he is with us. And our actions and presence remind others that he is with us. We are commanded to take the peace of Christ to others. Here's how Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, each other, and forgive one another. If any of you have as a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Jesus holds God's hand and holds ours and he brings peace into our lives. And he shows up in our lives and gives peace. And then he says, you take hold of my hand and you go grab your enemy's hand, you go grab your family member's hand, you go grab your friend's hand and you bring peace to their lives. When he says, clothe yourselves with uh, humility and grace and love and forgiveness, he's just saying, act like Jesus. Act like the person you were made to be, created new in Christ. Let Christ, the Holy Spirit, flow through you and flow out to others. You will be peace to others. 
What greater gift could we give each other at Christmas than to be the peace of Christ in the midst of people's anxiety and fear and depression? That's our calling. God gives us peace with himself and then he gives us peace with others because he's forgiven them. And we get to, we get to be Jesus to others. Jordan Standridge is an author. I have no idea who he is. But I like what he wrote. He said, while you're being peace to others, especially at Christmas, Christmas is a time where people seem to be more open to hearing the gospel. Jordan Standridge asked the question, are you sharing the gospel while you're giving peace? Are you letting others know with your words with kindness and gentleness that God created everything and he owns the entire world and everybody in it. And we were created to love and serve him, but we've rebelled against him. And instead of killing us, God wants us to be with him. So he sends Jesus Christ, his son, to die on the cross and take away our sin and to prove it was all true, and to prove that he can really be with us, that prove that he can change our hearts and give us forgiveness and remove our guilt and take away the penalty of God, he was raised from the dead after three days, and he still lives. Standridge asks, are we sharing that with anybody? If we're going to be the true peace of Christ, the presence of Christ to others, we have to share that gospel message. Not just through our actions of love and humility and grace and forgiveness, but with our words as well. This is how God showed his love among us, 1 John chapter 4, 9 and 10 say, we just read it a minute ago, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Are you loving others this Christmas? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to love others as Christ has called us to love others, especially during this next week. And here's the challenge, that we would not only look like Christ to others to bring them peace, but that we would also use our words to just say one part of the gospel, even if it's just Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you and rose again. One part of the gospel, I want to challenge you just to share one part of the gospel with your words so that you could be the peace of Christ. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he seeks peace not through war, but through his own sacrifice. And he wants us to pursue peace too. I, I saw this uh, quote from another preacher and I think we need to hear it um, just to get a, a better handle on peace before we leave. This is the conclusion of the message. Uh, Wayne Jacobson is the author. And I've always struggled with what is, how to describe the peace that Christ gives us. And um, it's hard to describe. And Jacobson says it's hard to describe because it, God acts differently for different people. And he shows up and it, it, it's a different presence feeling for different people 
and at different situations. And God never seems to act in the same way twice. He's an infinite God. He can show up and give peace in a lot of different ways. And so Jacobson writes this. I really like this. I want to share it with you. God's presence feels like, he puts in quotes, different things to different people and in different ways and different circumstances. I don't want to describe it as a feeling because it goes way beyond a feeling and our feelings can be a little bit, uh, they can lie to us. At its heart, Jacobson writes, it's a simple knowing that something greater than us is making his presence known in the room. That can be accompanied by supernatural events or a simple inner knowing or all the people in the room, they say, you know what, we sense he is with us. There's an affirmation from all the people there. For us at that hospital bed that night, it was a powerful sense of connection with God and each other. It added a lightness to the room that was more spiritually seen than physically seen. God's presence manifested itself in the lightness of our hearts and the trust that we sensed afterwards. Very different than the fear we felt before we entered. But it doesn't always look like that, which is why I hesitate to define it. I find people recognize him less when they're burdened down by the expectations of what it should look like. And then we start looking for the manifestations of his peace and his presence instead of just seeking him. For many people, it isn't so much that God isn't making himself known. It's that they haven't yet tuned to his frequency to recognize his voice or his fingerprints in the simple realities around them. I think most of God's supernatural working appears to be incredibly natural as it unfolds. It's only when we look back we see the greater clarity that he was with us. The peace of Christ comes from God's presence with us. The peace he offers comes with Jesus being with us. But the peace he offers to other people might be Jesus working through you. And it's going to look different. It's going to feel different almost every time. But you'll know it. Jesus gave us a reminder of his presence in communion. It's a reminder that to bring you peace... He was willing to be broken and have his blood pour out. Supernaturally, that blood covers over all of your sin. Supernaturally, he sends his Holy Spirit to be inside of you, dwelling, living, making his home with you. Supernaturally, he creates in you a new heart. And so from the inside out, he begins changing you. And all that is reminded, given to us as a reminder in communion. So as we take the bread, we're reminded that his body was broken on the cross for us because he loved us. And as we drink the cup, we're reminded his blood poured out for us so that we could have peace. Allow me to pray for our time of communion. God, thank you for this reminder that you are present here with us. Thank you for this reminder that spiritually you are continuing to change us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time.